And God is looking for some heroes today, like Abram last week, uh, or Forrest Gump. This week, it's Buzz. And I got someone for you in Scripture, too, as we talk about today's parable. Is a hero. And heroes, heroes are, are looking for those that need to be rescued. Sometimes heroes don't even know they're heroes. I also like in that clip, I also like there at the beginning of it, that when, and when uh, Woody is pulled into the dumpster, what do we see all of his friends doing? They don't sit around and say, oh, man, what are we going to do now? No, basically, Jesse says, hop on, let's go. And they all jump on. Nobody even thinks for, for a second. Don't even think for a second, oh, we, oh, oh I, I'm sorry, you know, hope something uh, good happens for him, hope he gets out of this. No, just immediately got to jump in there. And they become heroes. Sometimes people who don't think they're heroes, they become heroes just because they see something in somebody. There's some people around you that you need to start seeing some big stuff in and realizing that God has chosen for you to be a hero. The heroes embrace the connections that God has given them. See, God has connected you with some people just like in your, in your life, you have heroes. You've got somebody that has been important to you. Somebody that maybe rescued you, saved you. Somebody that, somebody that was God's arms, His hands, to pull you out. In the same way, God wants you to take what somebody has done for you, and now you be the hero in somebody else's life. So let's have a word of prayer and get into the second sermon in our series. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for the heroes in my life. People I can look to, God, still I can look to and ask for prayer, guidance, direction, sometimes to tell me, where I'm wrong. God, I just ask you, Lord, to help us now see that you've, you've given us the connection uh, with someone that needs us and also the ability, God, to be the hero that they need. God, I just pray today is a challenge, Lord. I know today is a challenge. And I believe the people sitting before me are up to that challenge. I believe they can be a hero. And God, I ask you to help them, challenge them, Lord, and help them accept it, God to step into the role that you've given them in those connections in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. So let's go to the book of Hosea. And uh, somebody had already made the joke, okay, that, oh, donde esta, senorita, Hosea. No, 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 it's not J-O-S-E. It's Hosea, H-O-S-E-A. Okay, add the uh on the end, a little uh there. It's Hosea, okay? And in Hosea, when he is one of the prophets, and in the Old Testament, we kind of lump them together, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And I think it's really easy to remember that is if you look, the major prophets wrote real, real big, long books, you know, and, so, and the minor prophets wrote little shorter ones. And, and so Hosea is the first one of those. He is uh, called a minor prophet. God didn't call him that. We kind of call him that. He was the first one of those. And when God first began speaking through Hosea, when he first began speaking, I mean, this is what we're going to talk about this morning is the very first thing God began speaking through Hosea to Israel, to his people. And in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. Can you imagine the first thing you hear from God is go marry a prostitute? Okay, I mean, you know, God, hey, God is an awesome storyteller, and he is about to tell an awesome story. And, and, and the way he lays it out, everybody's going to get it, okay? Everybody can get this. Go marry a prostitute. And God says this, and he says, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. All right, so that some of your children will be conceived in prostitution. Her so was God already saying, look, I know what's going to happen. 
You're going to marry her, and she's going to slip up and go back into prostitution, and she's going to have some other children conceived in prostitution. Sounds like what God is saying. God already knows she's going to mess up. He's telling her, and he's kind of warning Hosea. I don't know if Hosea gets it or not, but I think he's kind of already warning him. God's saying, look, I know what she's going to do. Man, isn't that the way it is in your life? He knew you were going to mess up, but he still came for you, didn't he? He still loved you, did he? Even though he knew, as John was saying just a few moments ago, you know, even though he, he knew we were going to do that, what does God do? God says, I, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to put my compassion on you anyway. I know you're going to mess up. You're going to do it anyway. This will illustrate how Israel is acting like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. He's saying, look, I have made them my people. I, ha- I, have-, I have wed myself to them. They-, they are my people, yet they have rejected me and turned, and they have been unfaithful to me. So, Hosea, go marry a prostitute so they will get the picture of this, that they are prostituting themselves when, when, when they reject me and, and they're unfaithful to me and they don't serve me anymore. Wow. Is God an amazing storyteller or what? I, I mean, just, do you get this? I mean, is this easy to see? Uh, you know, you, you might listen to five sermons and not get it, but you get this, don't you? I mean, goodness gracious. How could you not miss this, this, uh, this picture that God is, he is, he is an awesome storyteller. And so here's some more of the story. So she gets pregnant. And, and the first child that is born is, is, a, is a son, and God says, name him Jezreel, which means scatter or sow. You know, how you scatter seed. You sow the seed, you scatter. Name him Jezreel. Now, God is not punishing them for yesterday's sin because they are in rebellion right now. They, are, they have rejected God. They are unfaithful to him right now. And God is, is, is about to withdraw himself from them. He's not punishing them for that, but he's reminding them that you're just doing the same thing. I mean, the sin in Israel has been for, for years and years and years, and he reminds them of the sin of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And so he says, name this child Jezreel, which means scattered, but because of that and all that, all this connected, he says, I'm just going to scatter them. Okay? And then she gets pregnant again, and she has a daughter. And God says, name her Loruhama. And her name means no compassion. God says, name her no pity, no love, no compassion. Now, if, there's any, if there are any of you dads of, of, of daughters here, I, I mean, I, I know... You know, you, you hold that little girl in your hand, in your hands, and you're thinking, "Don't name her no, no compassion, no love, no pity." God is going to extensive lengths to tell a story today. I mean, this story he is. I mean, he is going so deep into this. So, I mean, I, nobody would name their child that, but God says, "Hosea, name her that," because they need to see something. Man, he's going to great lengths to tell them and us something. Then she gets pregnant again. His wife that is a prostitute gets pregnant again. And, and, and this one is a son. And, says, and God says, name him Loami. Loami, which means you're not mine. You don't belong to me. Not my people. And you remember what, 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 is, what is the reason God says this is because uh, Moses. You remember Moses of the burning bush? I don't know if you're watching uh, the Bible, if you're recording it on the DVR coming on every, every Sunday night now through Easter. You need to be doing that. You know, it's some good stuff there. And it was re- really good last week. And I, I didn't see all of it, but I saw, I saw this clip and I saw this part of where Moses is called at the, at the burning bush. You remember what God tells him? God says, go tell Israel. You know, this is, this is when Israel didn't really know who God was. And God said, go tell them that I am their I am. I am. I just am. I, I am. Who are you? I just am. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying to the very same people, generations later, he said, because you've rejected me, 
I can no longer be your I am. You are not my people. You know, and, and if, you, if you think about this, it's very easy. I mean, if you think about this, if you're dating someone and they start seeing somebody else on the side and you thought you had an exclusive relationship kind of a thing there, or if you're married and your spouse begins being unfaithful to you, how do you feel about it? You're like, look, I can't be yours anymore. I mean, that's, that's what it becomes, right? I mean, you say, I can't be yours. You made a decision to be unfaithful to me. And that's what God, God's, God's not saying, I don't want you anymore. He's saying, you've decided to be unfaithful to me. And he says, I can no longer be your I am anymore. I've been your I am for generations, but I cannot be your I am as long as you're being unfaithful to me. So he, he says, name your children these, these names. And you know what? This message isn't just to Israel, but it's to me and you today. Because you know a Jezreel. You know somebody, there's somebody near you in your life in some way, maybe in your family, that their hopes, their dreams are scattered, that their lives are, are basically lost. They don't, they don't have even a thought of how in the world can this all pull together tomorrow. You, you know somebody like that, right? You know a Jezreel. You know somebody whose life is, I mean, it's just, it's just wasted. It's just gone. I don't, maybe you're wondering also, I don't see how in the world God can pull this thing back together. And you know a Loruami, a Loruama. You know a Loruama in your life as well. Somebody, somebody who, who is, is like beyond compassion. You know, you know somebody that's unlovable. Don't raise your hand, okay? But you know somebody that's unlovable, right? I mean, maybe because of something they've done in their past that they are just so, ooh, I could never love somebody. I could never let somebody that close to me, you know, because of the things they've done in their past. And they're just unlovable. They're beyond God's grace. You, you've probably, you know, most, most people have their list of things they'll never forgive anybody for. If you do this, I could never forgive you. And I don't believe God can forgive. That's the way a lot of us are. You know, we, we've kind of got that list of things. And maybe you know someone, a low Ruama in your life or somewhere close to you, maybe, maybe just an acquaintance, someone you work with or you pass in the, the school hall, a low ruama that is just unloved or beyond God's grace. Oh, and you wonder, oh, I don't, I don't know if God could even forgive them. I don't know that God could even save them. You ever, you ever seen somebody like that? Yeah, you know somebody in your life. You're thinking, I just don't know if God could even reach them. Or, or a loami. You know a loami too. Someone that not just isn't a Christian, but someone that God has rejected because they have rejected Him. Someone that is totally separated and rejected by God. And you look at their life and you say their life is so, so, so anti-God and anti-everything about God. And you say, I just don't. You, you have Jezreels, Loruamas and Loamis in your life all around you. And so what do you do? What do you do? Somebody... Somebody has to step up and be the hero in their life. And you're the one God has connected them to. You're the one. You may be the only Christian. And if you are, then you're probably the hero that God has chosen to change their life. Change their life? Yeah. There's a huge word in the Bible. A huge word. And it is yet. Y-E-T. I, I know you thought it was going to be a big long one, didn't you? No, no, no. It's a huge word, yet. And some places throughout the Bible, you see it yet, 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 yet. Sometimes you see but, but, or nevertheless, or whatever. Here it is, yet. And it, it is a huge word that God uses. You know what? He didn't just use it in the Bible. He used it in my life. And I bet he used it in yours too. That all the stuff you've done, and all the bad that you've been, and all the things that you've thought, yet, 
Did he use that word in your life? He did in mine. Yet. I mean, he, he didn't have to love me anymore. He didn't, you know, I didn't deserve the love he gave on me. He didn't have to come back and get me when I walked away from him. Yet, he did anyway. And look, at, let me show you the yet in Jezreel, Luruama, and Loami's life. It's right here. Yet the Israelites, this is Hosea 1 and 10, verse 11 in chapter 223. It says, yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. Okay, here's a cool thing that God did. Even though he says, you're going to be scattered, you have no, I will no longer have compassion or pity on you, and, and uh, you are not my people. You know what he does? He reminds them and he restates a promise. Generations before, back to Abraham, the guy I talked about last week, Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, God had promised him. He said, you're going to have so many children. He said, it'll be like the stars of the heaven. That many children, just innumerable. He said, you're going to have, you're going to have, you're going to have children that will be uncountable. So many, just like the, the grains of sand on the shore. And look what he does here. He did not say, look, now I promised your great, 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 great granddad, Abraham. No, he didn't just say, I promised him. He is promising them. He is restating the promise. He is reaffirming that. He is giving to them the promise that you're going to be a great nation again. So he restates it. Who is this? Scattered. No compassion. Not my people. He says, you're going to be a great nation again. And he says, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. I've been calling, listen, here's what he says. I've been calling you my people. I've called you, you're my people. You, you are my people. And now I'm having to say, you're not my people, but it's coming back and you won't just be my people. You're going to be my children. I'm going to call you my sons. I'm going to call you my daughters. I mean, there's even a greater blessing on the other side of all this trouble and all this rejection and all this that Jezreel. Loruama and Loami are going through. And the people that, that you know in your life. And then he says, I will plant her for myself in the land. Talking about this, this woman, Israel. He says, I will plant for her, uh, her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. The one that I called, no compassion, I'm going to show my compassion to. The one who, who I gave the name, no love, I'm going to, I'm going to give my love to. And he said, uh, I will say to those not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. The ones I said, you're, not my, you're going to be my people again. And you're going to call me your God. And then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. I, I said, you're going to be scattered. I named you scattered. But God says, I'm going to draw you back together. Israel has been scattered as a nation for 2,000 years. But in 1948, they started coming back together. And, and, and he says, the people of Judah and Israel, I don't know who's who. I don't know who's of the tribe of Judah. I don't know who's of the tribe of Manasseh. I don't know who's of the tribe of Ephraim. I don't know who's of the tribe of Levi. I don't know that. And, and when you look, a lot of them don't know that. But they're re reunited. They're coming back together. And God says, I'm going to bring them back together. And they will be united. And so the scattering is going to be over. And he says, I'm going to bring them all back together. And they will choose one leader for themselves. They will return from exile together. And what a day that will be. What a day that will be. The day of, and look what he names it. The name that he used to say, you are scattered and I'm having to reject you because you have rejected me and walked away from me. What does he say? He says, that's going to be your day. You need, to, you need to look at that. You've got some Jezreels in your life that God has called you to be the hero for. And you know what? They've got a great day coming. God said this big, beautiful, awesome day that is going to happen in their life. His big dream is their day. And he names it to him. The big yet that is there. What a day that will be. The day of Jezreel. When God will again plant his people in his land. That's the future of the Jezreels, the Loruamas, and the Loamis in your life. The ones you've been called to be a hero to. You have been called to be a hero to. Chapter 3. That was the first two chapters of this story. 
that God's given. Chapter 3, it goes on. And here's what, ha- here's what we learn in chapter 3, is that exactly what God knew, it happened. Hosea's wife left him, and she went back into prostitution. She went back into the lifestyle that she had before. And, and now it appears that she has connected with one man. So she's living with this one man. And God said, now go get her back. I, I, I don't know if I could do that. Okay, if God spoke to me out of heaven like he did to Hosea, maybe I could, right? You know, I don't know if I could. Could you do that? Don't raise your hand if you could or couldn't. You know, because I know there's one person in the building that wouldn't raise their hand. My wife, I don't know that she, you know, she, she could raise her hand and say, I'd go get Rick back, you know, if he did all that. To, I don't know. Because, you know, I, I say sometimes, you know, that one way, one way to keep yourself in a, righteous, in a righteous lifestyle is to count the cost of being outside of that righteous lifestyle. And about like having an affair or being adulterous and that kind of a thing, I didn't have to count the cost. Dave accounted it for me, okay? She told me all the things I would lose, you know. You know, what, you know she's, she's helped count that for me. I counted the cost, you know. So I, I know, you know, and I'm sure if God spoke to her out of heaven, I failed that miserably and God spoke, I'm sure she would. But, you know, I think it might take God speaking out of heaven to me. For me to, that'd be a hard thing to do, but you know what? He, he did it. He got up, and this woman that, 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 that he had taken out of prostitution, and he had married her, and he had given her a righteous life. I mean, this woman did not deserve to be married to a prophet of God. And he, he we, we used to have this term back before my day, God, God made her honorable. You know, God married her and made her an honorable woman, put honor back in her life. This is what he did for her. What did she do? She trashed it. She threw it away, and she went back to her old lifestyle. She connected with one man. But you know what the Word says that he did? It says he bought her back. He bought her back. Now, wait a minute. He, it's his wife. He didn't have to buy her back. I mean, she belongs to him, right? But he bought her back with uh, 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Hosea went. God said, go get her back. And he went, and bought. why did he have to buy her? Now, I don't know what the uh, customs were, and I mean like the street customs of those days, but I can imagine in today's world, you know, the way it would be is you see a, a prostitute connected to a pimp, you know, and if you wanted to get her out of that, a pimp would say, wait a minute, I got a lot invested into this woman right here. You're going to have to pay me some money. I don't know if that's what was going on here, exactly how it worked, or, but, you know, this guy was probably saying, I don't care that she's your wife. I've got some, a lot of investment in her. I don't care that she's wearing your ring. I've got a lot of invested in her. But that's not even the question of the why. I mean, we don't even see that here. The why doesn't even matter. The how long, you know, that matters. The only thing that matters, it's like, it's like Hosea is not, is, is not asking that. He's just saying, what's it going to cost? And he's got his hands in his pocket when he's saying, how much? How much to get her back? You see, what we're seeing here is we're seeing a picture of God. That he's looking at the Jezreels and the low Ramas and the, the low Amis in your life. And he's saying, what does it cost? Tell me what it costs and I'm going to pay it to get them back to me. And he goes and he buys them back. That's what God was using Hosea to do, to show us how God keeps going back. It's so easy for us Christians to reach out to someone and, oh, get your hand burned and say, never again. You ever said that? Don't say amen, but you ever said that? You ever said that? Never again. Thank God Jesus didn't say that because I've burned him a lot of times. Anybody else? I've burned him a lot of times, but he keeps going back and pulling me out. He keeps going back and pulling me out. And that's what he's showing us through this story of Hosea, that God continues to go back and pulls us out. 
He's the hero that never says, never again. He's always pulling us out. He's always reaching down for us. And I wanted you to see what he did before you see the promise. You say, God had already promised this was going to happen, but I wanted you to see what he did before you see it. Let me show you, but the promise is awesome. But you got to put that romantic, poetic kind of hat on your thinking cap that's romantic, poetic, to kind of get this whole thing. Okay. But in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, 15, and 19, it says, but then I will win her back once again. This is what God says about Israel. I'm scattering her, not going to have any compassion on her, not going to let her be my people anymore, but he says, I'm going to win her back. This is the God that we're talking about. And you know that God, don't you? Because he won you back. And that's why we who have been heroed have to become heroes. We have to pass down what God, he says, I'm going to win her back. God wants to win that Jezreel, that low Ruhamah, that low Ami in your life. God wants to win them back. And he says, I'm going to win them back. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I know when you think of desert, you don't think like, that's ah, not a good place to take your girlfriend or, you know, or, your, or, or your betrothed. But we didn't live in that area or that era to understand he is taking her to a solitary place so he can speak tenderly to her there. That's what God wants to do to your Jezreel. He wants to take that person in your life to a place where he can speak tenderly to them. They may have never had anybody speak tenderly to them. I will return her vineyards to her. And there's so much there. We could, we could preach a message right on this one little phrase right here that God wants to return vineyards to her. The, the, the vineyards are, are symbols of, you know, of the bounty, of the goodness, of, of the fruit you know, that is there, and of the anointing, and the, the Holy Spirit, and all this. So what God is saying is, I'm going to return my blessings to her. Who? Who's God going to return blessings to? The Jezreels, the Loruamas, the Loamis, not the people that are just sitting here on Sunday morning but the people who couldn't get up to come to church on Sunday morning because of what they were doing all night last night, because of how their head feels this morning, you know, because they, they, they can't see straight to drive to church this morning. God says, I'm going to bring the blessings back to them. Okay, now some of, some of our self-righteous folks have a hard time with that. Like, I just thought, well, get over it, because God pours blessings out on those he wants to pour blessings out. And if God starts picking who he's going to bless and who he's not going to bless, I'm afraid I would, be in, I would have to be in the line of those he wouldn't bless, because I know the stuff in my past, and if you're honest, you know the stuff in your past. Thank God. He doesn't look at that, and he says, I want to bless you anyway. That's what he says about those people people in your life. I want to bring the blessings back. we got to start looking at those people that God has connected us with that we see that are throwing their lives away, that are destroying their lives and say, wait a minute, these are the ones that God wants to bring the blessings back to their life. And, and he says, I'll transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. The trouble that is in their life, I'm going to make it an open door for them to walk through and see that there's hope. That, that's, that's the people, those Jezreels, those low Ruamas, those low Amis in your life that you think, man, it's all over for them. God says, no, I, I want to give them hope again. I want to do that. And, and he says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. He says, I'm not just going to bring you back. I'm going to make you my wife. He says, I, I want to be intimate with you. I want to be connected. That's what he says about these people that sometimes we judge as the dregs of society. You know, and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if it's prostitutes, murderers, abusers, uh, drunks, addicts, liars, tax cheats, because sin is just disobedience and rebellion against God. And I know we've got our list of things that are worse and whatever, and things that we just cannot ever see God forgiving. So let me ask this question. You know, maybe, maybe... Liars and tax cheats are way over here because they just sin a little bit. And if you get away with it, it's all right, right? 
and, and, and you know, the, the, the prostitutes like Hosea's wife, the, the murderers, the child abusers, they're over here. And, and all this other stuff is in the middle. Tell me, where's the line at 29-11 that who are the people that are welcome into our church? Where do we put the line, where do we put the line around here at 29-11? Who are the people that are welcome into our church? We don't have a line. We don't have a line. Everybody, it doesn't matter. And, and I know this may go against your grain just a little bit, but tax cheat, prostitute, it's all the same in God's eyes. It's sin. It's disobedience. Little white lies, child abuser. It's the same in God's eyes. It's the same. Sin is sin. But that's not really the question. It's who is allowed into 2911. The real question today is who is allowed into your life? On this spectrum, who will? Well, now, I, you know, I can deal with cheaters, and I got a bunch of liars already in my life, but child abusers? Prostitutes? Oh, no. Pat, who is allowed in your life? God's already put them there. And here's the thing, you know, we will never reach people that we don't allow to get into our life. You can't reach somebody from arm's length. Thank God. God didn't try that with you, did he? He said, I, I, I want you to be saved, but I ain't going to let you too close to me. No, man, he wrapped his arm and pulled you up real tight. He's got to have, that's what you have to do. Uh, look at the picture of Buzz again. Buzz, go, Buzz Lightyear, okay, if you remember. He goes into the trash, pulling it all out. Hey, man, I mean, that, was some pretty, that was some pretty sanitary trash, if you ask me. But, I mean, you know, going through the trash, you get it all over you. You get it all over you when you get into the trash. You know, and, and then what does he do? She is swamped. She is engrossed by the trash. He picks her up in his arms and throws her to safety. Totally involved. You cannot reach those that you won't let in your life. So how do we do this, Pastor? Because I don't know how. Good. Because people that don't know, or people that know how normally don't get it done. It's the people that don't know how that normally get it done. If you take notes, here's a place for you to write down a whole lot of stuff real quick. If you don't take notes, open your heart right now because God's about to speak to you and say, this is it right here. This is how you are going to reach Jezreel, Lorohama, and Loami in your life. Simple things. I know you think it's big, but look at it. Eat with the unchurched. How long has it been since you ate with somebody that doesn't go to church? Oh, well, we're not supposed to associate. It says so. Yeah, you're not supposed to let them rub off on you, but you have to be around them for you to rub off on them. Jesus associated with him. He went into their house and had dinner. Eat with. How long has it been since you invited somebody that doesn't go to church to sit with you at lunch? How long has it been since you invited somebody that doesn't go to church out to lunch at work? Or hobby with them. You know, I know a pastor who, who uh, a big golfer, and when he chose a country club, guess what he did? He chose a country club that nobody in his church was a member of. So every time he went to play golf, he went by himself. And in case you don't know anything about golf, here's the way they kind of do that. If you show up to play by yourself and they have another person by themselves, they will put you together because they don't want a whole lot of people out there playing alone because it really slows down the pace of play for everybody behind you. So they'll put you together. He knew that. And he joined that. So you know what? Every time he goes to play golf, he goes alone and he gets there. And guess what? He is riding in a cart with somebody for 18 holes, three and a half hours. He is riding with somebody else in a cart, most of the time with somebody who isn't church, and he gets to spend time with them. Not just to bless himself, 
but to pour out in somebody else. Hobby with others. Walk instead of driving so you can encounter people. Some of you are going to go today. Some of you already thought you're going to go, you got to go to Target this afternoon, right? And then you're going to need to go to Best Buy, and you're going to move your car because you, know, you can't walk those four or five doors down to Best Buy from Target, right? You know? <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all done that, right? Yeah, come on. Maybe when, it, maybe when it's raining or freezing cold or something, but, you know, hey, walk instead of driving because you know what you're going to get? You're going to get the opportunity to meet somebody, to see someone. You know, just several weeks ago, we were in Casa Fiesta, and, and a lady tripped and, and fell right behind me. I, I mean, I, I don't even know why. I, I think it was the, the look of shock and horror on my mom and dad's face that I realized somebody behind me had fallen, you know. And I turned around, you know, and we kind of ministered to her and helped her. Eventually, you know, she... We got, we got her up. Not a week later, I'm driving right, almost right in front of Best Buy, and a lady falls on the sidewalk. I pull my trooper over, don't even get in a parking place. We're going to jump out and run over. And I thought, wow, I must be getting a ministry to ladies who have fallen and can't get up, you know. <laughs> so I go over and I run, you know, and I, I, I'm kind of just ministering to her a little bit. Eventually, we get her up as well. You know, you don't get those opportunities if you're always running. If you're always in your car, you don't get those opportunities. You got to leave the comfort and the safety of your little private, you know, station that you've got, something that you've got. You got to get out of that. Walk. I mean, it's beautiful today. Go walk somewhere and let God, op- let God open your eyes to somebody that needs. Uh, become a local regular. You know, wh- where's your place? You got a place you like, right? Become a, lo- become a regular of that place. Mary Ann Baker is a great example. McDonald's and Cracker Barrel. She's a regular there. And you know what? There, there are waitresses at Cracker Barrel that some days have, or they're having such a bad day, they are praying she comes in and sits at their table because she has been there so many times. They know who she is, and they know they can pour their heart out to her. I'm taking your order, but let me tell you what's going wrong with me. I need your prayer. Become a local rep. Find your place. And somebody was asking me, and this actually happened to my son. My son said, said you know, is, is it weird? That when you walk in the door of a place that people start talking to you like they know you, you know, first name, you know, he walks in the door and, and they, they, don't say, they don't say, can I help you? They, they quote what his order is and say, is that what you want today? They tell him, what, is this what you want today? And he says, yes. You know, they don't even have to tell him, you know. And he, says, he just said, yeah, that's what I want. want. Want the normal, you know, want the usual. And, so they, and then they, you know what they did? Then they say, well, how's your little girl doing? He's got a nine-month-old. How's your little girl doing? He's he's youth pastor at Christway, Church of God. And and they say, well, how's how's your youth group doing? You guys got anything? And they start, he said, is that weird? No, that's God. And honestly, let me tell you, he didn't do it for that reason. Because he just likes the chicken minis, the chicken. And and he eats them almost every single morning that he can. He is in there eating, he just loves the chicken minis. But God is using it for something else. Become become a regular, volunteer with nonprofit or civic organizations. Yeah, go ahead. You know, listen, I know, I know some people, they think, man, I do my hour and a half for God on Sunday morning. It is awesome. You know, I'm out there in the parking lot and doing, I'm shaking hands and I'm down here receiving the offering and, you know, and ushering and all that. Thank God. Wonderful. Amazing. But all this that we kind of encourage you and trained you in to do that, don't just do it for an hour and a half. Do it all week long. You know, get out. I mean, you've got some, you got a passion in you that maybe, you know, somebody's raising funds for cancer and you had a, you had a cousin die with that kind of cancer and you want to get involved and yeah, do that. Get involved. That, that's, that's a way that, that you can do that or serve a neighbor. How long has it been since you cut somebody's grass, washed their car? You know, or you found, you went and took their garbage can back around to the back of their house instead of making them do it on a rainy day. How long has it been? I'll give you another example. That little piece of paper that you slid out of your way when you sat down, pick it back up 
and, and, and order two dozen donuts. Is it next week? They're going to be here? Next week? Next week. I still was hoping they would be here. This, if I could order them right now, they'd be here by the time the second service is over. But next week, order two dozen or order one for you. Order three dozen. All right. And, and you know what you're going to do? And then take them home. And you got one for the neighbor on this side and one for the neighbor on this side. And you're supporting the missions team going on the missions trip to Romania this summer. And you're also connecting with your neighbor. You know, just, just do something nice for some. Share a Facebook post, a, a sermon slide. Like when we're promoting the sermon for this next week, share it so everybody else sees it. Or a po- the podcast link for a, you know a sermon that you you know some people that you know your Jezreels. Hey, this was a sermon that my Jezreels needed to hear. Share that link on Facebook or or tweet from a sermon. Not just what I'm saying, but what the Holy Spirit is telling you today, right now. Man, tweet that or 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 something from your daily devotion. Invite someone to your small group. Now, you got to be part of a small group to invite them to a small group. Let me say this real quick. It is so easy for us to run in here on Sunday morning and run out the door on Sunday morning, shake a few hands, wave and everything, and and feel like, man, we've done our thing. You can't impact people when you're always in a hurry. You've got to sometimes, and I had to hurry hurry past this this morning, but you've got to sometimes slow down and let God do something weird in your life. You know, sometimes God has to do weird things in our life because we're just sailing along and everything's going well in our life and we don't realize that there are people dying and going to hell all around us until God throws something at us. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what in the world happened today? Man, this has been... A... And we start cursing the day because God threw something to stop us just so we would stop and look around. But instead of looking around and finding somebody that is hurting, what do we do? We curse the day. Oh, this is a horrible day. I had a bad day. It may have been that God just threw a little obstacle in your way so you'd stop for a minute and look and see there's somebody over here that needs your help. He didn't mean to curse your day. He meant just slow you down a little bit. You need to get involved in some things that you can invite some people to, and a small group is one of the great. You see, small group isn't just for you. It's also for the people around you. You need to be involved in something that you can bring people to. And this here, here's the announcement, first time for some of you to hear. This year at Easter, like we did last year, we're doing a Saturday night service also at 6 p.m. Invite somebody to Easter weekend. It's one of our big four. Not just our big four, the church's big four. The church world's big four. It's one of the, one of the four events, or the four weekends, that, Christ, that non-Christians will come to church. You know what they're waiting on? An invitation. Just an invitation. And you know what? We got 6 p.m. on Saturday night. 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. You know, you can get around just about every excuse they've got. Oh, well, you know, I always sleep in on Sunday. Well, let me tell you what we're doing on Saturday night then. Well, you know, Saturday night's always date night. Well, let me tell you what we're doing on Sunday morning then. And you know what you can do? You can, you can bring three different visitors and sit. You can come at every service and bring three different visitors and sit by each of them at every service. You know, you can do that kind of a thing. Say, so, wow, that's a lot of church. Yeah. But is it worth it, hero? If you're going to be a hero. Is this all there is to it, Pastor? Is it really this? Is this all it takes? Almost. There's one more thing that's beyond your control. When Paul was writing his first letter to the church at Corinth, he said in chapter 3, verse 6, now listen, I planted the word in you. And Apollos came and he spoke and he just watered it. He He just lavished water on it. But it was God that made you grow. So yeah, it's this easy. The other step is God makes it grow. You just buy donuts. God makes it grow. You just have lunch with somebody. You just play golf with somebody. But God makes it. You just invite somebody to church on Easter week. But God makes it grow. It's that simple.
Would you stand? Let's come to the front. We'll close with a final prayer, final song. Hey, this is God's plan. This, it's so simple, isn't it? He didn't call you to preach. Are y'all glad he didn't call you to preach? How many of you said, man, thank God he didn't call me to preach. He didn't call you to preach. He called you to connect. Just simply connect. This is his plan. This is the way he reaches everybody. You know, and I've thought and thought, and I thought there's only one person I can think of that God didn't reach this way. And it was the Apostle Paul. You remember how he reached him? He was riding down the road on his way. He had been persecuting the church, been throwing Christians in jail and everything. And he's riding down the road, headed to, you know, headed to throw some more on his way to Damascus, headed to throw some more in jail. And God knocks him off of his donkey, his horse, whatever it is he's riding, blinds him where he can't see, and God speaks to him. It's just him and Paul. And he speaks to him and, 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 he, and he calls him. And so it's just him. And, you know, every other time God used somebody else. But then you know what hit me this week? I never thought about this before. If I did, it was way buried way back. Do you know what? The first time we see Paul, the first time in Scripture we see him, you remember where he's at? He's watching Stephen be stoned because Stephen has just preached a message that the religious people hated. Paul was listening to the message. And even the one that I thought was the one that God didn't use this plan in, God did, because Stephen had poured something into Paul, and eventually it got watered and watered somehow, and boom, then God said, this is the way it works. You don't have to do anything. Your heroic action is a little small thing until God makes it grow. You've been called to be a hero. I believe every person standing in front of me has the potential to be a hero in the Jezreels, Loruamas, and Loamis of your life. You have it. Now let's do it. Somebody, somebody needs to be reached today. And I'm going to pray that over you. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Close your eyes with me.